another conversation from Loretta's front page. Conversations that get to be had and heard. Now, with the findings of the inquest of Veronica Nelson's death at the Dame Phyllis Frost Centre in January 2020 being handed down this week, we've heard announcements from the state government about changes to health provisions in women's prisons. But what else is really changing? This morning, I'm joined by community lawyer and prison activist and board member of Flat Out, a support service for women and gender diverse people who are exiting prisons or maybe at the risk of going to prison. I'm joined by Amanda George. Amanda, welcome to the program. Hey, Loretta. Amanda, this is this is going to be a confronting um, conversation for a lot of people as we we speak about Veronica's tragic death and her death and her passing really highlights a lot of problems that are in our Victorian criminal justice system. And I'm sure that yourself and people who work closely with you are not surprised by this. But for those who are listening to our conversation today and maybe aren't across uh, what's happened with Veronica back in 2020, are you able to sort of potentially help us understand how her tragic death occurred? Yeah, sure. Um, I I suppose uh, it's really important to say first up um, that, uh, you know, I acknowledge that I'm speaking to you on the land of the wrong people and their sovereignty was never ceded and I pay respects to people in the community who are First Nations people. And the organisation I'm part of, Flat Out, which is uh, a support and advocacy organisation for, um, as you said, women and gender diverse people at risk of going to prison or leaving prison, we send our sincerest heartfelt condolences to the family and community of Veronica Nelson, who died in the most horrific circumstances at the Dame Phyllis Frost Centre. Um, Veronica had been uh, picked up on a, um, a warrant around shoplifting charges. The allegation was that there had been a theft of perfume from uh, a chemist's warehouse. She was apprehended by police. She was I think only 31 kilos or 33 kilos and she was handcuffed. She wasn't offering any resistance whatsoever. Uh, she was taken into police custody. The, she had a, a bail application uh, which was refused. The coroner found that the legal advice and legal assistance that she given was given fell far short of expected standards of practice. She ended up uh, at the Dane Phyllis Frost Centre, uh, which is a prison in the western suburbs of Melbourne, and she was very, very unwell. She was withdrawing from um, opioids and she was uh, received assessments from medical staff who said that she seemed okay, notwithstanding that they know that she was withdrawing. And I guess that's one first point that's really important to acknowledge, is that when people are withdrawing from drugs, they have a health condition which Mm -hmm. needs attention. They have a health condition that requires treatment. Veronica was placed in a cell um, on her own, 
and there was a uh, a uh, sign put on the door of the cell, which was not to open the cell door. Um, over the two days that Veronica was in there, there's some horrific footage which is um, online and on the sort of ABC website if people are interested, uh, which show that she was calling out in distress, she was cold, she was cramping, um, she was fed blankets through the slot of the door. This was a, a woman who had no history of violence. Mm. Her, her criminal history, from what the, I understand reading the coroner's report, was basically theft and failing to appear on bail. The nurse gave evidence that she was asking for um, medication and Veronica had to put her hand through the slot of the door. Uh, Veronica's hand was so cramped up she couldn't put her fingers out to receive the medication and yet still she was not transferred to a hospital. Veronica buzzed up on her cell many times during the night and the uh, prison officer said uh, that there was nothing more that could be done, that she wouldn't get any more medication, that she would contact the medical centre to see whether she could get more medication, but in fact the prison officer hasn't, hadn't. The evidence from the nurse at the prison was that she was watching a film that night uh, and didn't come over to see Veronica. Women in the cells around were calling out for assistance to her, but uh, Veronica was told by the um, corrections officer that the women were going to get angry if she kept calling out and that she should have uh, just have a shower and uh, that would make her feel better. Veronica was, I think, quiet from about three in the morning and the officer who was in charge of that unit did not walk the something like 10 metres down the, cell, down the, 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 um, the hallway to see how Veronica was. And there was a morning changeover of shift. No one still had looked in to see how she was. An officer came on change of shift at 7 in the morning, heard a shower on, went down to the cell and Veronica was lying naked on the cell with the shower on and had been, it seemed, uh, had passed away some hours before. After the death, the Department of Justice do various inquiries to find out what went wrong and there were three separate inquiries and all of them basically said business as usual, nothing really went wrong and they didn't think there even needed to be a coronial inquest. In fact, some officers got commendations for the way the death of Veronica was dealt with. Now, the coroner was deeply disturbed by the litany of failures of all organisations involved in Veronica's life over that four days and since her death, and it's, 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 a, it's a harrowing, terrible story, and it's just, I guess the awful thing is it's, in some ways, it's, it's not unusual. It's, what's unusual, though, is that because Veronica was so unwell, she had an underlying medical condition on top of the fact that she was very malnourished and very lightweight, which contributed to her dying in those circumstances. But these things happen all the time. 
It's just that we had the light of a coronial inquest with lots of people giving evidence brought these things out in the open. I'm speaking with Amanda George, who is a community lawyer and board member at Flat Out Incorporated. Amanda, thank you very much for taking us through that. It's really hard to hear. It's 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 um, I'm sure it would be it's horrific for her family and her her friends to have had to relive this numbers of times they've gone through, you know, different investigations. We've heard that the state government is changing the method of health care and how that's provided to women in prisons. It's It was a, an outsourced thing and now it's going to be coming back under the, the state um, health system. Do you see that as changing anything for the women who are incarcerated in our prisons? I, I, I'm not certain whether it will or it won't change anything because there have, there have been various health, health providers out of the Dane Phyllis Frost Centre. I suppose the real question is that women like Veronica and the vast majority of women who are in prison basically are in prison as a result of drug and alcohol addictions. And this is a health issue. So if there were services in the community, these women would not be going to prison and relying on a a prison-based health system. There'll be plenty of people who are listening today who maybe themselves or they've got families or friends who have experienced drug and alcohol addiction and they would know how incredibly difficult it is to get someone into rehabilitation, into drug detox. And in in a prison, the, the coroner has said this, that the response to addiction women coming in with addictions, it's it's a punitive Mm. health response. It's not a supportive health response. So, you know, there is a real need for the the millions of dollars that are spent on prisons. In in Victoria, we spend $1.5 billion Mm. on, on, on prisons. Now, that is money that is not available to actually deal with the social causes that lead to the majority of people being in prison. And so, Amanda, what are you and um, the you know the other um, lawyer activists that are that are looking to seek changes? What sort of changes do we need uh, in this in this space? Okay. Well, first up, uh, we need the government to honour their commitment to change the bail laws. At the moment, nine out of ten women going into prison are going on remand. Now, what that means is that they haven't been sentenced. That means that they are going into prison, they haven't been convicted of a crime, they haven't been sentenced for a crime, and very often, even if they are convicted of a crime, they would not be given a prison sentence Mm. because the vast majority of women who are going into prison at the moment are going in there for breaches of bail, for uh, what are called justice procedures, or they're going in there for theft, or they're going in there for drug offences. So using prison to deal with those issues is, you know, using a, um, a concrete block to sort of try and, you know, smash a walnut. It's just completely destructive. 
And, and as you say, those women who are um, serving remand, waiting for uh, their trial, still, you know, with the presumption of innocence, they're not they're not able to keep their job, which means there's no income, which means that any rental or housing that they had secured, it all becomes a jeopardy, doesn't it? Totally. When when you go to prison for a month, you often lose your housing. Most women in prison have got children. Yes. You lose your children. You lose your possessions. Your children have to change schools. Your your pets, God knows where they go. So the the disruption on people's lives, and, and it happens to men too, mm. but very often men have partners at home who sort of, you know, keep, keep the ship going yes. or they have a family who will keep the ship going. Whereas a lot of uh, women who go into prison uh, do not have partners who are there to pick up the pieces. They're, they're sole parents. And the... The ripple-on effect in the community, you know, is massive. Massive. Like in Victoria at the moment, there is between 3,500 and 7,000 children whose parents are inside. If you have a look at the experience of children, Aboriginal children, 20% of Aboriginal children will experience their parents going inside. Now, that is a pipeline of two prison, really. Yeah. The parents being in prison, it, the, the disruption to children's lives, you know, are the thing that, that create the circumstances that lead to people eventually committing offences down the track. Like, you know, it's not a certainty, but it's a, it's a pretty high probability. Amanda, you know, we're speaking about really big issues here that need to be broken open, need to have people start to think about them because, you know, for a lot of people dealing with um, prison life or the consequences of these, it's, it's far removed from their everyday, but it is something that um, affects all of us. Because, as you say, there's 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 money that 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 is funneled in certain ways. There's um, the impact on society, on 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 people. So, being able to have this conversation, start to break it open, and then potentially, you know, for us to be able to have conversations with our parliamentarians, with our state um, government um, elected officials, you know, start having conversations and and reading and educating ourselves, so that when these topics come up, we can be informed. What else can we be doing? What what is what is a, a, a actual practical thing that we can do to um, show support, to be involved, to help crack this open even further? Well, well what's really important is I think you've, you've you've hit the nail on the head. Is that we we need to to inform ourselves about who it is that goes to prison. Yes. Um, you know the the bail laws were changed and the parole laws were changed because of behaviour that is actually quite unusual. You know, there are, there are not m- massive numbers of people driving their cars into Burke Street and killing people. Mm. But the, the bail laws were changed as a political response to that. So w- what's happening is that people need to understand that law and order is something that, that governments use to get in power and stay in power. But we need to have more nuanced conversations about, about these things. So we need to be pressing 
politicians to spend money on public housing. We need to pressure politicians to spend money on community-based services that wrap around people who are experiencing drug and alcohol addictions. We need facilities where women can go with their children to participate in, 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 in drug rehabilitation, in detox. We need to ensure that when we're having conversations, we don't just make assumptions about people who have been inside, that, you know, they're, they're bad people. Mm. People who have been inside very often have experienced appalling sexual and physical abuse in their life. You know, that's, these are the statistics that have been around for a long time. Um, a lot of people who are in prison were in out-of-home care as children. And, and, and then we see the cycle perpetuate over and over and over again. Amanda, thank you so much for your time this morning. We've been speaking with Amanda George, a community lawyer and a board member of Flat Out Incorporated. You might want to check out Flat Out and the work that they do, um, which is really vital um, to supporting women who are exiting the prison system and, and those at, at risk of going in. Thanks for the conversation today. Thanks for helping us understand that little bit more. And uh, I'd love to have you back again to defer this conversation. Uh, yeah, thanks, Loretta, and it's really important that, that you've covered this issue and I do urge people to have a look at the Flat Out website and if you've got any spare cash, yep. we provide material aid for women and for kids for education and things like that. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Amanda. That's Amanda George, community lawyer and board member at Flat Out Incorporated. 